do it. Yeah. I have to edit around this so Just hard. Just get rid of all this part <laughs> leading up to this. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode number 42 of Random Draw, a board game podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Mann. With me, as always, Dave Hubbard. That's me. And Mark Belial. Perquacky. What is I, that? I don't know what that means. It's a is board that? game. Perquacky? Perquacky. I think he made that up. No, I looked it up before I said it. Oh, thank goodness you're doing <laughs> research. Yeah. Yeah, it's got like words. It's like words. It's like. Letters on a cube, and then you shake them up. And I thought that was called like Quirkle or something. Yeah, well, apparently it's also or Boggle. Hold on, let me. Oh yeah, Boggle. That's a good one. Perquacky. It's a word game played with dice, produced by Cardinal Industries, Incorporated of Long Island City, New York. But what's it about? Oh, it, 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 it looks like you get a Yahtzee cup, and then you get some letters with a dice, and then you shake them up, shake them up, shake them up seven, mm-hmm. and then you throw <laughs> them on the table. Me. Yeah. And then there's a timer involved. This is just what I'm gathering from the image. Oh, so you're guessing? Yeah. Just so this wildly. is a board game <laughs> podcast. If uh, Well, Mark gave uh, board game information to start the podcast, so that is good. That's a little bonus for you guys out there. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little bonus. Uh, so today we'll be reviewing two games, and then we'll have an extended and final episode of Dungeons in December, despite you in hearing January. this in January. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I'm not editing this tonight to yeah. release tomorrow. Nope. <laughs> this, so you'll get this in January, but it will be Dungeons in December because today is the 30th of December. Mm-hmm. And for us, which the world revolves around. <laughs> that's right. Or at it least is, our worlds do. It is still December. Mm-hmm. So that is uh, what you have to look forward to. So let's just dive right in. Yeah, we're going to dive in like it's Dave's ham. Uh, you can edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> no, no. That needs to stay. <laughs> Just so people can get a little glimpse of what Dave and I go through every episode. Yeah, that, that, uh, you know, you can always tell when a joke lands when it's like just dead silent. When it's after dead you silent, say it. and I'm yeah. like looking at my sheet of notes, like what on this could help me. <laughs> like I need an escape button here, yeah. please. Why did I only write four ga- three games? Can any of this help me? Mm-hmm. All right. So the first game we played tonight. Oh, these are all Christmas gifts. Ooh, yeah, they are nice. Oh, these are all Christmas gifts from Dave to us. Oh, yeah, this Nailing is this it. is the Dave Christmas gift to episode his, to his beauties. Yeah, I gotta say, uh, once again, giving each other gifts that are board games. I know the most self serving. See, thing. I was trying to explain that to Amber. She's like, "Oh, I got Mark other stuff." I was like, "Yeah, but was it a board game?" Like, uh, no. I gotta tell you that bird calendar. I don't care about that. Yeah, I can't it play that. Affect it me. gets a lot of laughs around the house. I guess, is what I'm saying. Not my house because yeah. I don't care. What I care about. <laughs> is playing board games that's it yeah uh so the first game we're going to talk about is a game from dave to mark for christmas it is called all manner of evil Ooh, so spooky mm-hmm. yes this is a, a cthulhu game gesundheit <laughs> so so mark why don't you explain this, this is your game you oh. read the rules and everything well gentlemen the night was oh, dark i regret it already <laughs> The night was dark. <laughs> we fell upon H.P. Lovecraft's manor. Yeah, manor is in the important. shadow. Oh, yes. All manor of yeah, evil. Yeah, all manor of evil. Well, I see. didn't realize it at yeah. first. Yeah, it takes place in a manor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wordplay is not my strong suit, so it takes, <laughs> me, it takes me a little bit to notice some things. So we are playing burglars who are like breaking into H.P. Lovecraft's house after he's died. And if you've listened to our Bad Guys of Board Game History about H.P. Lovecraft— you would know that he was very rich and very successful when he died. <laughs> then none of those things are true. <laughs> what we're trying to do is we are trying to pilfer as many eldritch abominations and artifacts throughout the house. I'm trying to get that money. Mm-hmm. Trying to get the most amount of dough I'm out try- of HP Lovecraft. I'm trying to can. do two things in this game. Get that money and not get eaten by an elder yeah. god. <laughs> 
the game revolves around everybody uh, simultaneously declaring an action with their uh, a handful of cards. Um, these actions are like ranked one through four. Uh, there's pilfer, there's inspect, there's study, and there's one more. And there's and then there's deceive, deceive. Mm, mm. Right. right. I played this game. I know. Good job, Dan. <laughs> Every artifact that you pick up makes you more mad. Uh, not like upset. Yeah, not yeah. angry. <laughs> like you're not like less. Uh, think more like your depressed aunt and less like your angry dad. Yes, <laughs> these seem like oddly specific to Mark <laughs> illustrations. Yeah, but sure. Let's yeah. just say insane. They make you more insane. Yeah, yeah, in yeah the yeah, membrane. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so as you collect artifacts, you are trying to sort of gauge how insane you're going to be by the end of the game because the craziest person, if you wake up an Elder God, is eaten by the Elder God. Sure, that is one way you could play this or game. Or yeah. at the end of the game, time runs out and you need to leave and one of you still eaten by an Elder God. Still yeah. eaten by an Elder the God. The way I played it was I took cards, then forgot how mad I was getting. <laughs> yep. And then got eaten by an Elder God. Well, yeah. What's interesting is there's two different things to know how mad you are there's these like little black tokens mm-hmm. which are actually really nice they're yeah this is all sort of part of the this was the kickstarter exclusive yeah they're very yeah. nice but ill colored yeah that was a little hard to see the black i'm sorry mark i went all out for you but still I mean, well that's good man that was my one of my complaints mm-hmm. i mean the game was fun but one of my complaints was on all the cards it shows madness as like a red circle yeah and then the madness tokens were black like mm-hmm. just make Didn't them make sense. red if, if, yeah. you, if you were using the punch out tokens they were red they were the same token mm. like they oh, were then, cardboard yeah. versions of the same token just make the black ones red yeah i think they were just trying to like make them like super edgy and goth you know <laughs> and then um so the other thing that you have to worry about is that each artifact that you open sometimes awakens an elder god you give that little elder god a little little flick on the nose as that's how you awaken people that's how i awaken people yeah that's the best way to awaken an elder god oh an elder god maybe (laughs) that's how i awaken dan yeah Yeah. so at the beginning of the game you'll uh, basically have uh four gods that you're trying not to wake up unless your hidden role dictates that you are trying to wake them i needed that yellow god awake you needed that yellow god awake pretty pretty quick i wanted him awake and you went hard for the post on that elder god i did so right in the beginning of the game you get a like a hidden role yeah that everybody's different yeah for me i got special bonuses if there's so there's like two ways for the game to end you can either wake up another god and it eats the most insane person or the clock strikes midnight and they then, get eaten by the yeah. and then an elder god eats the most insane person. Yeah. But if you make it to midnight, then there's a chance you get the payout for certain rolls. Yeah. But so yeah. Mark hands us the cards and I flip mine over and I was unaware that this was a hidden roll thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, everybody. <laughs> I was like, oh, everybody has just a different color cultist. He's like, give it that back to me. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. Yeah. I did a bad job explaining that. That's a secret. I don't know. I mean, why would I just announce a card I got dealt to me face down? <laughs> That's I've played games before. Like mm-hmm. I should know. Yeah, what that secret. one was on Dan. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Just like, so there are certain cultists who want to wake up their color of god. I needed to wake up whatever the yellow god was. Oh, you were trying to wake up Haster, the oh. king in yellow. I thought I was trying to wake up the sure. god that sounded more like a sneeze. Yeah, like Hagluth. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. Chaim. I was the Jewish god of good fortune. I was. I know. Reporter. Yeah. Reporter. Oh yeah, because you were trying to. You got extra points if somebody got eaten. It turns out it was me, though, and I did not <laughs> get any extra Here's the flip side that. of that. You lose if you get eaten. So, yeah. like, it comes down to, at the end of the game, someone gets eaten, and that person simply loses. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the people who were digging around this manor trying to get artifacts, 
they count up how much money and ill-begotten goods they got. Mm -hmm. And then the tiebreaker is who has less madness. Yeah. If it comes down to that, not an issue. And then if you wake up two gods, everyone gets eaten and you all lose. Well, got to spread that love. Yeah. I did really good on the score, but Mm -hmm. the problem was I, I mean, I got eaten. I mean, (laughs) your score was zero. You got eaten. Yeah. But if I would have gotten away. (laughs) You had a lot of loot in that bag. Yeah. I had so much stuff jammed in my backpack. Mm. I was obsessed with awakening the elder god and I got the lowest score by a lot, but technically. Second I place. still beat Dan. Yeah, second yep. place. Yeah. Yep. So that's the, that's so that's the other thing. Those hidden roles, it, it's kind of nice because they offer just enough spice to keep the game interesting, but they're not going to win you the game. Well, I discovered that at the end of the game when I realized that there were artifacts I could have stolen that were worth equal to the total amount of my hidden roll. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like, they're not that powerful. I would have got three points if I would have got someone else eaten. But we're scoring like 20 to 30 points with our artifacts. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, first off, I don't even know how to make that happen. <laughs> yeah. I got eaten. <laughs> but other than that, like, it wasn't that important. No. Mm. It was a it was a nice little back and forth with the, like, choosing your roll card, and then you could never play the same roll twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the other thing, too. Uh, the, each one of those actions fun- functions totally differently. Mm-hmm. So they have the pilfer card where you just, like, steal something from the mansion. But it also lets you add madness onto a room. So you see that Dan's got to, you know, steal from the attic. You can put a little madness token on the yeah. attic, and that way Dan's a little more crazy. And the there's f- four or five rooms four. in that. There's four, and then you can uh, use the vault if you're playing with five. Yeah. So there's these rooms, and each of those four cards tells you exactly which room you can steal from on the bottom. So if I have the first card, I can look at what the other two people are, mm-hmm. and I know exactly where they can go. Mm-hmm. So I can force them to go somewhere. Like if I take a card, and then I know Mark's going to go in the next area, like he said, I could put a madness there and like, hey, sorry mm-hmm. for luck. Like, I yeah. don't care if you're insane. So David, <laughs> I don't. I hope that you are insane. I hope you are. <laughs> right? So Dave was kind enough to get me the, um, the deluxe version that had the Madness Stirs expansion as well. Which is where like the super awesome tokens came from. Mm-hmm. The um, wrong color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was also monsters that you can add into the deck too. Each one of those monsters acts totally different. Mm-hmm. Adds new wrinkles to the room. Sometimes it makes you like get rid of your roll cards. Sometimes it makes you a little more crazy. Sometimes they just stay in the room like indefinitely, and then every time somebody has to steal something from that room, they add a new wrinkle thing that you have to do. I liked those. Like, yeah. The extra little wrinkles were a lot of fun. Yeah. I kind of wish there had been more of those. They recommend like. Like you get one monster for every quarter of the game. Oh, so. I guess mm. yeah. So you just add you add four monsters in, and then I think we ran into three of them. But so. I like the cards because uh, so when you're stealing this loot, some of the cards have you do certain things. So they'll say on the bottom, whatever, exchange this card with another one, or there's like all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So even when you're taking some things, and the cards are are raising your madness or raising the awakened monsters or lowering either one so there's a lot of strategy in taking cards too maybe i mean i, <laughs> I was just kind of taking I, like that's mm-hmm. worth the most i'll take that yeah, three madness I, sure i really did like the fact that this was one of those games where the actual rule set is pretty small and mm-hmm. then most of the gameplay comes from read the cards yeah those games just tend to add so much variety to playing a game while simultaneously not making you have to sit for a long rules explanation yeah i think we got the rules explained in like 10 minutes if that it was super it was like easy five, yeah. Yeah. yeah it was and and again like take it with a grain of salt we play a ton of games so we've learned a ton of rule sets yeah but, but we like, also tune each other out non-stop and make jokes while people are <laughs> trying to true. explain the rules yeah so i feel like that almost yeah. balances out in the end it's like teaching gremlins how to play a board game <laughs> It is like you. So when teaching any of us a board game, like, you know what you're in store for, like Mm -hmm. maybe half of what you say 
is going to get a, like absorbed. And then it's going to be constant like, well, why can't I do this? Like, well, I told you 14 times <laughs> that this wasn't allowed. Like, oh, I didn't. I, I don't think you did say that. And you're just like, oh, well, and then okay. we'll fixate on things like Mark would be like, well, and then this says you could do it uh, between one and three times. And then I'd be like. Wait, so what if it says I could do it two times? <laughs> and then I'd say you do it yeah, twice then. Well, and then Dan would go. Well, yeah, what if I do it one time? Well, then you can only have to do it one time. We yeah. did this the entire time <laughs> yeah. Mark was describing the rules. Not annoying at all at this point. I, I mean, honestly, it it's fun because it just is yes-anding with each other. But, <laughs> yeah, I got all day. It's fine. <laughs> but I, th- I had a good time with this. I yeah, think, I did too. I think the art was really cool. Oh, my God, the art was great. Yeah, and they're like uh, tarot-sized cards. Am I remembering that wrong? The ones in your hand are smaller. Yeah, the... they're regular size. Why can't yeah. I I remember this i don't know the elder gods i think were the elder bigger. gods were tarot sized I they were great like you want to talk about using every single bit of that surface area yeah for it's cool like, art yeah and double-sided and they have different powers on yeah both sides. so depending on the number of people that you play with so like we played the three-player game if you had the four-player game the elder gods are actually stronger and they work a little oh, differently but they also have extra art too mm. your your haster the king in yellow goes from vanilla haster to haster of the dead which is like yeah, obviously yeah obviously Where you know like Haster do um <laughs> and it's like a lot strong when it comes out in the game if you wake Haster up and cool. then Cthulhu goes from like vanilla Cthulhu to like Cthulhu of the Burger King where yeah he's it's, standing it's in hot the drive through it's hot topic Cthulhu <laughs> mecha fish nuts on mecha yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Mecha Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah. Fights Godzilla. Uh-huh. That was my only complaint was the Cthulhu card. I have in my head what Cthulhu looks like. And that card was just like all black. Kind of looked like a bird. Don't really know. I think the wings threw you off. I don't. Th- sure. Have you ever seen a Cthulhu with wings before? Yeah. Yeah. All the time, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> During my daily Cthulhu look. Yeah. yeah I'm just like sitting well, around looking at Cthulhu art. Well, when I'm making my sacrifice to Cthulhu every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you ever like the original like illustration of Cthulhu just looks really dorky because it's just like a squat fat octopus man like sitting who looks like real down that's the one i'm into yeah yeah, yeah. And that's he's got what like I a little tiny that. baby pair of wings he's that's got what like i wanted a, on that card he's got like a moogle wings from final fantasy Do i, I want it to look like a octopus mouthed uh slightly winged version of the thinker yeah that's kind of what <laughs> it felt like that's what i want to look <laughs> yeah like. just pensive yeah, that's what i wanted on that card not yeah. whatever i got yeah mm. Don't yeah. try to make me think what's scary. Like, show me the scary. <laughs> now I now I will backpedal. Don't show me any scary. Yeah, Dave. Don't care for scary. I'm yeah. sorry. I said the foreign... I said the bad word today. <laughs> we don't say scary around we here. Don't say scary. <laughs> now I'll never sleep. <laughs> Dave will just be in his bed tonight with his covers up to his eyeballs looking around. God, I watched two episodes of Star Trek today that had the Borg in it, so I'm already going to be up for three days. <laughs> He's already pretty jittery as it is. <laughs> So stupid. Uh, Mark, why don't you tell us about this game? Well, All Manner of Evil was published by Colossal Games. Oh, that's a big game company. Yeah, Yeah. they do lots of stuff. All Manner of Evil was published in 2019 by Colossal Games. If you want to hear uh, more about Colossal Games and the stuff that they publish... Listen to this podcast, but other episodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to episode 25, Yeah, Star Butterflies, where we really? talk about Papillon. Oh, I like that game. Yeah. That was a good game. It was designed by Travis R. Chance, who designed Infamy, and the art was done by Chris Beyer, who did Heroes Wanted and Mike Ravine. Didn't Colossal Games do Western Legends? Yep, they no. absolutely did Western Legends. I know everything about one thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good job, Dan. It's no Dungeon Pets. That's what I know. It is no oh, pets. yeah. I remember why I, I mentioned specifically specifically Papillon because I, I reference Western Legends all the time so I keep referring people to the same episode so Great episode maybe yeah. 
I don't know. I haven't listened since we did it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's your information about who did the Omen. Art? Oh, I want to. It was Chris Beyer who did Heroes Wanted and Mike Riven who did Omen colon A Reign of War. Oh, so he's already done other scary games then. You think Omen's a scary game? I. It says Omen. I don't feel like I hear. This is a good omen, as Are often you... in board games <laughs> as I hear mm-hmm. it's a bad omen. Are you sure it's not Oman? <laughs> oh like, man! Oh, like, oh man! Like Poka Mon? Yeah. Have Pokemon. you ever have you ever seen that romantic comedy, The Omen? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't generally hear good omen as much as bad omen. Yeah. You, you don't know. All right, so let's rank. All manner of evil. We use a 1 to 10 scale, but we don't use the number 7 because that is a cop-out. You choose if this game is great or it is a, another game. Mark, you'll go first. Okay. Let's do uh, Hot Topic Cthulhu's. <laughs> <laughs> don't dictate to me. what I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. How many, Mark, how many Hot Topic Cthulhu's would you give All Manner of Evil 1 to 10 not using the number 7? Oh, this game was super approachable. I really enjoyed it a lot. I'm going to give this game a pretty strong 8. Oh, I like this game a lot. It's a lot of fun, very easy to pick up and learn, very easy to teach. The art's fantastic if you like super, like, edgy, weird. Except for Cthulhu. Yeah. Garbage Cthulhu's art. a little hard to see, <laughs> but most of the other art's really great. I liked it a lot. Give me an eight. You give yourself an eight. I will. Done. I've given <laughs> myself an eight. Uh, if you guys don't know, Mark keeps all the stats and anything that does has to do with writing anything. Yeah. yeah. If you're interested in seeing our list of scores, let me know. I have it all available <laughs> in download sent it to form. us, and yeah. I wanted a more streamlined list, <laughs> but I was I didn't want to be like, yeah, I didn't want to be like, oh, could you make this better? <laughs> Can you make this easier for me to read? Uh, Dave, All Manner of Evil, how many Hot Topic Cthulhu's would you give this game? One out of ten, not using the number seven. Oh, man. I would go into the back of Hot Topic. I would grab a couple of those like blacklight posters. Yeah, the sweet candy bikinis. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would also give it eight glowing Ooh. blacklight Cthulhu Hot Topic posters <laughs> out nice. of ten. Excellent. Yeah, this game was fun. I, uh, how approachable it was and how quick to play it was, I really enjoyed. And I also like mechanics that it almost felt like it wanted to be player elimination because someone gets eaten, but that's also how the game ends. Yeah. So yeah, nobody so no did get yeah, eliminated. No getting, I mean, I got eliminated. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, you did. It was hilarious. It's also fun just to get eaten by an Elder God in these styles of games. Mm-hmm, but Disagree. <laughs> but sticking in a nice little hidden role just to give it a little bit of spice, but without making them really overpowered mm-hmm. in any way. I, I really enjoyed that in such a small game. And there's a lot of cool ones too. Like if we, we played like fairly vanilla ones. I think for our first game, I didn't mm-hmm. want to get like super into the weeds. Because we can't handle it. Yeah, correct. I can't trust you guys. But there's like uh, sociologists. There's like uh, a role called the terrible old man where <laughs> you get, you get extra funny. bonus points for each person who gets eaten. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, totally a lot of fun. Give Dave eight. Did you do it? I'm watching. Done. <laughs> I did it. This is my new bit. I don't know yet. Uh, Dan, all manner of evil, one to ten, not using the number seven. How many uh, hot topic Cthulhu's would I give this? I am going to give this a six. Mm. Oh, look at you. I'm the right. less high on this game as you guys is are. Is it because you got eaten by an elder god? It's <laughs> the only reason. I hate this game. <laughs> uh, I, had, I did have fun on this game. Six is not a bad score. It's just I didn't have as much fun. I hated that the tokens were not red yeah <laughs> like i know it is place. such a nitpicky thing but it's so stupid and it's so weird because at first i thought that the black tokens were supposed to be awakening tokens yeah me yeah. too because those ones are black and gray, yeah. uh and like the punch out form there weren't enough of them to be to not be madness tokens right it's so weird i don't know why 
that bothered me. Yeah. Uh, but the the game itself is fun. I I had no problem with the game itself. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have as much fun as you. did. I'm allowed to have my opinion. You were allowed to have your me. opinion. You're off the podcast. If it had red, no, if it had red madness, gems, you would have gotten it to an eight or right? ten, baby. Ten, yeah, yeah. straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped up four points because of black tokens. Stupid. He's capricious, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, again, that's art direction right there. What's mm-hmm. wrong with you? <laughs> uh, all right, that is all manner of evil. Kachu- Thank you, Dave. Kachulu. You're welcome. It was a very fun and enjoyable uh, birthday present. Oh, my God. Christmas present. You and Jesus. Yep, me and JC. (laughs) Uh, Next game up on the list, Dave's present to myself. Yeah. He gave me a game called Paris New... Oh, I'm sorry. Paris colon... Attaboy. New Eden. (laughs) Attaboy. And Uh, I got it purely because it had a colon in it. What what are we going to play a game without colons in it? Stupid. Stupid. (laughs) It's a waste of time. Paris New Eden. In this game, Paris New Eden... It is post-apocalyptic, despite the art. Yeah, the art does not mm-hmm. look post-apocalyptic. Like, it this, is like, Paris looks fine. It's like really cartoony. Yeah. Everybody seems pretty happy. Yeah, a lot of them are lazy. A lot of them are lazy, and I just <laughs> I, collect them in my I would have thought that the lazy would have been weeded out. Nope, no, they're but, multiplied. Yeah. So, so this is one of those games, I will say to preface, that we finished and then immediately reset and yeah. played another game. Yeah. yeah. I look at it, I read the rules. Before I say I read the rules, let me just say that I had been reading a ton of rules that day, and I'm like, I can't do another rules. Like, Mm -hmm. I just can't learn anymore. So my wife goes, do you want me to read these rules? And I was like, I don't know what the trick is here, but (laughs) but sure. So she's going to want later. Yeah, I was just like, okay. So she reads the rules, and she's like, I can't teach you this game unless we set it up. Sure. Let's set up. So she set up, and she taught me the rules, and she did awesome. So I don't know how to get this to happen more, but... (laughs) It was awesome. So Paris Acts New frustrated Eden. more. Yeah, she's a smart lady. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, probably a one-time thing. Uh, so <laughs> Merry, Paris, Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See you next year. Idiot. <laughs> yeah, one next year. Paris New Eden is a dice drafting game. I don't care what anybody else says. I've heard people describe it as worker placement. Nonsense. This is a dice drafting You don't game. have any workers to place nope. anywhere. <laughs> you take dice yeah. that have been rolled. You draft them. But taking that die also allows you to perform an action at the location you took the die from. Right. Yeah. It is some weird combination of dice drafting and worker placement. It's ever you are not placing any workers anywhere. <laughs> nope. So, you place the workers on your thing, and then they're used to build the thing, and then you'd never see Well, them. and then they're used to bid. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So so the way this game works, there are uh, five locations on the board. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to build essentially your own commune. Uh, you're building backup pairs. You're trying to make everything better. So every player has their own commune where they're going to build buildings. They're going to place their uh, people in. And that's going to uh, generate food and resources mm-hmm. as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the dices have... Six different faces they could have. Correct. Is that right? Yep. One for each side. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. so there's one for each side of the square. So there's tinker <laughs> five sided dice. Tinkerers, there's soldiers, medics, Scientists? religious people, uh, yeah, the mystics, religious people? mystics, and then there are farmers. Wild. Got it. So that is the six faces. Nailed it. <laughs> so you these dice are pre-rolled, and each location has a certain number of dice. In each location, you'll take a dice, and you'll perform another action that that location has. So there's a place where you can get a worker and get a can of food. A can of food can help feed your people, which is a good thing. 
<laughs> Which gets you points. You Quote unquote people. good. Yeah, oh, it's good. You, know, you want to eat all the time. First game we played, I didn't feed my people except for once. Yeah. I fed my people all the whole time, and then the second game, not as much. <laughs> uh, so the other cool thing, so you're going to take these dice, and they're going to represent your bidding power when it mm-hmm. comes to buying buildings. But also on top of that, you can get uh, these little square tokens, which represent people that are going to live in your commune. And those same six colors are up there. And then when you flip them over, it's going to be five of those are going to be the same. But then the wild turns gray and they are just a mouth to feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are no longer yeah, useful. Yeah, they're not super helpful. So you're going to collect all these. And there's different five different spots you can go. They all do different things. And then you go into the bidding phase. Once all the dice are gone, go to the bidding phase. So the way the bidding phase works is whoever took the binoculars, which lets you bid first and be first player next turn, which is this power at one of the spaces. So once you do that, that person's going to bid on the very first thing, which is Tinkerer Buildings. Yeah. So there's going to be one less building than there are players. So three-player game, two buildings. So you'll just say, first player will say, I have X amount of Tinkerers. You have these wilds that you can add to colors you already have. So wild can't represent a color you don't have. So if mm-hmm. I have one Tinkerer and four wilds, I potentially could have five, but I have to declare what I'm bidding. And yeah. if you have four wilds and no Tinkers, it doesn't matter. You have, you zero, have zero Tinkers. tinkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you just go around the table and you start bidding. So if I'm the first player, I get one bid. I don't get to raise my bid again later. So I bid, Mark bid, Dave's bid. And then whoever has the highest gets to choose their building first. And those dice go away. Those it's, dice go it's away. It's not that if you spent some wilds here and you lost the bid, quote unquote, yeah. you get to keep them or anything. Like you spend those. You bid those mm-hmm. and they're gone now. You can also use tokens to bid, the tokens of the little people. Once you spend those tokens, they get then get flipped and they go on one of your buildings and they are now a mouth to feed. <laughs> yeah. They are a mouth to feed, and they can sometimes help you later on with certain things. Yeah. yeah. If they're one of the, like, colored workers, like yellow or blue or green or uh, whatever, like the, the main workers of the types of buildings, they'll be helpful. They'll go on your buildings. If they're a wild, the other side is a gray who's just a mooch on society. Just mm-hmm. eat your food. That yeah. is what they do now. This game's played over four seasons, so you're drafting four sets of dice. Uh, each season, there's going to be one goal that you're trying to meet, and it will be like have a three green people and four red people. Mm-hmm. But So if you have those people, that's great, but you also need the equipment that goes with them. Yeah, right? so like red people have bullets yeah. or purple people have books right. or so green if you, people have pills. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So Obviously. So, <laughs> so if you have that, you can complete that, and any amount of people can complete it. It's so hard, though. I don't know. We barely did that. I did yeah. it once. Yeah, we barely. And especially it just happened to work out. Towards the end of the game, it was much harder because the numbers just go up and yeah, up and up. Yeah, because all of a sudden, I need a combination of nine red people and purple people yeah. plus the prerequisite supplies to go along And with I don't that. know about you, mm-hmm. but I'm not planning that far ahead. No, yeah. I'm barely planning for this season. <laughs> I'm trying. I have one goal, feed these people. <laughs> that is it, and it mm-hmm. fails all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so you go through and you collect the buildings and you make your little commune and then uh, it, you go on to the next season. Super simple to score. So you're going to score as you go. So if you could feed your people, depending on how many people you have, you get X amount of victory points. If you complete those objectives, you get X amount of victory mm-hmm. points. And more people can complete them. So like if it, yeah. whatever the objective is, if two of us complete it, we both get those points. Both get the points. Yep. There's no uh, one person gets it, the other person does it. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is you have these hidden objective cards. And those are mostly in-game scoring, but some of them are additional buildings Mm -hmm. you can flip over. And this could be a super handy way if it doesn't 
feel like you're doing well. Sometimes you can just load up on those cards and then make a run for like the game at the final. Yeah, I somehow final never minute. got those cards. Like I always mm-hmm. had because Mark and two. I were yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dave so and I only, were pretty pretty hawkish about taking those. You could draw those cards as the game goes on, but in that location, there's only two dice, mm-hmm. so only two people each season can do it. And I was not any of those people ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as you go along, you you're adding up your victory points. You could see the scores that's going on, and then when the game ends, all you're doing is finishing those hidden quests and if uh, adding those victory points. Then the person with the highest victory points wins. Yeah, super elegant. Like by the so time easy. you finish, there's no math that you're sitting there really doing. It's no. interesting. I was kind of like snooping around on our uh, Instagram page. Did you see this I guy? Saw, I saw that guy, and he Blew had a, he had an interesting thought about how the end of the game scoring seemed a little anticlimactic. Yeah, uh, I get this guy's see name. That. It is a little anticlimactic. This guy also dropped, and no offense him if he listens and he said listen i don't mean to sound douchey but <laughs> we often found that 50 points wasn't enough and i said wow we, we did are- not <laughs> yeah. find that yeah we didn't bad. find that we're i was so like bad. half of that i was like wow you're better at this game than us uh, yeah. yeah our winning scores were in the low 30s yeah both absolutely, times. absolutely and that was the winning score, yeah, the winning <laughs> the score. Winning score. <laughs> and the funny thing is our second game our winning score was lower than our oh first yeah game. yeah i was just like oh i understand the game more and did worse <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah he he dropped that i was like good on and like i have in no means any strategist to this yeah so. no that is not why we get together and play we when make it, it very would, clear we do I'd, it for fun I, would, I was gonna say i would say that not many of us in this room are masters strategist no. no and i and i said to him i said like oh that's a good score we did not reach that and he's like he's like somehow this game just clicked with me and i get that like, yeah, oh, yeah like sometimes it's, the game just fits mm-hmm. not for me but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah but i've played against people where the game just fit yeah. also also that's not true i've played 49 against you oh that's oh true. that is true you for, are a 49 40, king 49 is such a random game <laughs> but somehow i come i that is my game you i think it's because you know inherently in your soul what dave and i are willing to spend mm-hmm. on Things. I know that you guys are suckers, and also <laughs> I agree uh, with that. Also, I hate that. I yeah, 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 yeah. Here is my inside tip. So this may defeat me from uh, forty nine for the rest of my life. I but doubt Inside it. tip: all I have to do is pit you guys against each other, oh. and you will like run each other out of money, and I, mean, I just well, what sit else on is it. New? Dave yeah. and I spend half of our time tearing each other. And I'm just, just like, having trolling. A, I'm just having a great time. <laughs> Even in this Paris game, we're talking about right now when you're choosing the final goal. So uh-huh. uh, twice you flip over a goal. Mm-hmm. There's three goals initially for every season, and so the one that's left unflipped is the one you do. Mark and I were just trolling each other with these goals. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's if what, I even that's got a I was... hint that Dave might be able to do one of those goals, I was like, "Oh no, you're not." That's what I was doing too because yeah. I knew I was going to complete the goal. Yeah. But I'd look at you guys like, "Maybe they can." It's, it's like, like it's so funny because our second game we scored so many fewer points. Yeah, was, and it's because we were literally playing much more offensively towards we each other. Were. Yeah, mm-hmm. we I think we were a lot more adept at like blocking each other from doing stuff, which was fun. I gotta oh, yeah. say, it's a very but l- this game, like I was not sure what to make of this game when i first got it i was like what it looks awesome the art is awesome mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't get across that it's post-apocalyptic but no, for sure not at I, all i think when i posted about it on uh, facebook i mentioned it's unusual to see a post-apocalyptic game with this color scheme so much color it's vibrant yeah, yeah. so much color everything's it's so like cool. a little cartoony it, uh-huh it but all, it it all feels rather hopeful which is kind of nice which like, is not how i felt watching my scores during this yeah. game <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i really like this game though i had such a good time and I don't know if there's like a ton of replayability with it, 
But the two times we played it, like back to back, I had such a good time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I want to play it more. I think Amber would like it a lot too. I I think it's a really fun game. So I, I'm actually yeah. interested. To play and thanks it for more. thanks for everybody who wrote in and like talked about it. Like, so we got yeah. a lot. Of, we got a few comments on that one. So yeah, and I, I think mean, we're always down to talk about games oh with my God, you guys. Please, yeah. like my wife's not going to talk about games. Oh my God, I just, I, <laughs> strangers on the internet. I'm want over to. and talking to animals about games. We yeah. can, we've convinced all of our significant others that this podcast is important. It's just the way for the three of us to get together and talk about games. <laughs> yeah. That's all this is. That's yeah. literally all this, <laughs> this is. This is why I call it quote unquote work. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going, I got podcast work. Oh, I got to do podcast work. <laughs> uh, Mark, tell us about Paris, colon, New Eden. Paris, colon, New Eden, published in 2019 <laughs> by Madigo. Madigo? Madigo, didn't know this, is a French term for a spirit that assumes the shape of an animal. Liar. Okay. I got to call him on one of them. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that that's true, but I don't know that it's not. Madigo. <laughs> According to some oral traditions of southern France, a spirit under the form of an animal mostly undetermined, frequently a black cat. I can't see the laptop. Wow. I assume he wrote that before the game, and this is just a word document. Edited by Mark Belisle. Edited by Mark Belisle. <laughs> so published by Madigo, uh, who also is one of the publishers of Bosque. I searched forever to see if they had like published an original game before. They're I could just, find neither hide nor hair of that. They're just getting in on other people's yeah, success. Yeah, I think they probably like help out distribute other games. Hey, man, good job, because that means I got my hands on Paris, colon, New Eden. Yeah. yeah. What, so, they're a French company? French, I believe, yep. It'd be weird if they weren't. It's Paris. Paris. <laughs> New Eden. New <laughs> Eden. Uh, Why does this game smell like cigarettes? <laughs> This game smells like cigarettes and body odor. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about uh, Bosque, you can listen to episode 16, Sushi No. What was Bosque? Bosque was the... Oh, no, it was the leaf one. Oh, right. I yeah, remember that fine. game. I thought I was going to throw up for a second. Oh, man, what a doozy. <laughs> Um, yeah, it Bosque was the <laughs> Bosque was the um, the leaf one. It was the leaf the squirrels? Ones. Oh yeah, I had area little, control. Yeah, but also scoring rows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thickest squirrel ever. That's oh, chunky squirrel, thick squirrels, thick squirrels. <laughs> anyway, check squirrels? out that episode because it's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we talk a lot about that thick squirrel. Uh, it was designed by Florian Grenier, who did Octo Rage. This is all checking and out. has such a cool name. Yep, Florian. Uh, also designed by Ludovic. Malblanc. Yeah, these are French names. Who did Conan? I was Ugh. about to say that dude sounds more like a gladiator. You know what the problem with Conan is? That rule book. That rule book. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know why? Because it was translated from French to English by someone that didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> it would be like if I used Google Translate to translate yeah, the book. Like part. these sentences don't work. <laughs> and then finally, the art was done by Agnès Repochet. That is a super French company. Super French. Uh, this is Agnès's first game. Oh, oh well, she did a good job. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's Agnès. It's a lady. Yeah, well, good job. I stand no, by it. Also, no, still good job. No matter what she is, she <laughs> did a great job. Yeah. She could have been a dog for all I know. Yeah. She did great. Good job. Super cool to see a post-apocalyptic, colorful. Super mm-hmm. colorful. And I like the dice. The dice were really nice. They were custom dice, so each face was was custom. The whole, everything worked really good. Yeah. Let's uh, score it then. Dave, Paris, uh, New Eden. I'm sorry, Paris, colon, New Eden. How many cigarettes would you give Paris, <laughs> New Eden? One to ten, not using the number seven. Uh, so we're scoring this based upon a half pack, though. A pack of cigarettes. One, one out of ten cigarettes. Yes. Yep. One out of ten cigarettes, but you also lost one of those cigarettes. Yeah, because you can't mm-hmm. rate it seven cigarettes. seventh yeah. one. Uh, this game is going to get a solid nine from me. Ooh. I really liked this game. I, I thought the design was very elegant. It was such a neat twist on the worker placement slash dice drafting element. 
combined. It was just well done. Mm-hmm. I had a ton of fun playing it. I was so happy to immediately reset and play again. So yeah, solid nine for me. Uh, Dan Paris colon New England, New Eden, New England. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be a lot of fun. Paris New England. Hey, mistake. Hey, hey, park the car. Where'd you pack? Where'd you pack the car? Get some chowder. This is Boston. <laughs> Par- yeah, New England. New England. Oh, I got it. Uh, Paris, <laughs> Paris New Eden. Dan, how many cigarettes would you give Paris New Eden? Uh, I'm gonna give it nine. Also, this this had a lot of cool stuff in it. The dice drafting was really well done, and then the bidding was cool too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way the bidding worked was really awesome, and you're always getting something because you can't take everything. Yeah. So everybody's getting a lot of stuff. I just thought it was really well done. I, I don't know how you're getting 50 points, but good on you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah, good. For, yes. That's like two of me against <laughs> double my score. Here's here's what we need to do. Once COVID's over, we need to have that gentleman over to play. But what we're gonna do is we're gonna play three on one. Yeah. He has oh, to be right. all three of our scores. All of our scores added up, and yeah. you have to play it. He's still probably going to win. And if you still win, I don't have any defense for my Yeah, exactly. Not... Here's the deal, buddy. I hope you can beat 60. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, what, that's what our over-under is. Yeah, man. I think he'd take us, is what I'm I saying. Think so too. <laughs> uh, if 50 is not enough, that's what he said. 50 is not enough. I was like, oh, well. Oh, wow. like I said, not even sp- mad. I said I thought those extra spaces are just wasted. That's what I said, too. <laughs> what like, are they doing there? I, I, I said, at 40. Are, we, got that, we got through that first game. I was like, how on earth do you get to 50? 50. What's that doing there? <laughs> they just had to fill the board. Uh, Paris New Eden. Mark, Paris New Eden. Uh, one out of ten not using seven. How many cigarettes would you give this game? Ooh, give me nine Virginia Hello. Slims. Oh, Virginia Slims. Yeah, sweep oh. it. This game was the a thinnest, lot of fun. The thinnest of smokes. This game was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it's a really refreshing take on post-apocalyptica. Um, I, there's nothing I can say that you guys haven't already said. Oh, we're yeah. geniuses. Like the bidding yeah. is so cool. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're the person who has to go first. Oh, man, that's like, the doozy. You're yeah. like looking at everyone else like, shoot. Well, because you're really excited about going first in the choosing dice round because then you don't get stuck with whatever's left at the end of that right. season. Mm-hmm. But then, man, that going yeah, first in the bid bidding first. is it terrible. Really, it really forces you to make some hard decisions early on about, <laughs> yeah, okay, well, does. what's the most important thing to me at this very moment? <laughs> yeah, it is an awesome game. So yeah. three nines, 28 three nines. by yeah. my count. Uh, which is about our average score. 27 by so my count. So our average score in this game. <laughs> 28 yeah. by my count. <laughs> I Maybe. wish I could have gotten to 27. That would have been great. Maybe so that's close. why we're bad at this game. We just can't do the simple math. Yeah, yep. maybe I had a way higher score, and I just <laughs> yeah. don't know how to get there. I wouldn't put it past us. Yeah, that's true. It's a non-zero possibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so that is the two games we're going to view. So now we're going to roll into our last topic of the year. Yay. Topic. Dang it. That's Ruin right. that intro. Go again. No. Absolutely not. Well, okay. we're cutting your salary. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the last topic of the year and the third in this series, Dungeons in December, despite you getting it January. Today is the 30th. I've said it before. We are most important. <laughs> by what day it is for us. So, Mark, take it away. Dungeons. He has to stand you gotta for this. got to sit up, and then you stood up. Well, that's what I do. I even, mean, he didn't get a whole lot taller. Even, <laughs> even when I'm... <laughs> all looks the same. I was say, even when I'm standing, I'm still sitting, baby. <laughs> it's just Mark weird. Is average height for yeah. the United States. Yes, he is. Is it? I don't feel average. 5'10", feel... that's the average man. No, he's 5'8", though. I'm 5'7", oh. but that's fine. I'll Thank give you 5'8". Thank you. 5'10", is the average... 5'10", size 10 shoes is the average male. In, in America? Yeah. I don't well, think so. Well, thank God I'm 5'7", Look with 12 up. wides, am I right? <laughs> Look it up. Average height. Dave and I are above average. Sorry, Mark. In one way, in, one in way height. only. I am below average in every other way. Let's see. Data collected from the Federal Centers for Disease Control. Oh, 
sure. show that the average height for Americans has stabilized in the past 50 years to about 5'9 for men and 5'4 five five for women. We, were, okay. cut, we split the <laughs> yeah, difference. Yeah, we did split the difference. <laughs> yep. You know what? I'll take the tie. What size this shoes is, do you wear, Dave? Uh, 13 wide. I wear tw- 12 regular. I didn't know we are saying regular. I spend most of my time <laughs> barefoot, and so I think my feet have just spread They've out over the expanded like a hobbit? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a pool of milk? <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my... Like silly putty on a warm day. <laughs> That's, that, that's what I will say about being five seven with twelve uh, wide feet. I'm nearly impossible to knock over. Yeah, <laughs> true. You're stout. I got like a weird center of gravity. Plus, I got the big old clod hoppers for base support. Mark, yeah. out of yeah. the, out of the three of Mark is the easiest to lose at Gen Con. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah, sure. That's for sure. Like, oh, where'd he go? I don't know. We lost him again. He almost got picked up by a hawk. <laughs> Yeah, we can't let him outside by himself. <laughs> Always on the leash. <laughs> <laughs> All right, All gentlemen. Right, tonight, we're going to cover our last segment in Dungeons in December. So get ready for all this. It's going to be a real treat. All right, so so far we've done Satanic Panic. Yep, episode one, Wizards Never Die, mm-hmm. was out the history of Wizards of the Coast. Episode two, Satanic Panic, yep. which is <laughs> also the history of Wizards of the Coast. Kind of. Plus the Satanic Panic. Yeah, it was more um, the well, Dungeons and Dragons than the Satanic Panic. It was a fun episode. It if you missed episode. last episode, I, it was very interesting. Yeah, it's good, and I'm not biased at all. <laughs> and for our final segment, we're going to be talking about the big botch. I don't know what that uh, is. Four. D&D four. Fourth yeah. edition. Uh, <laughs> is that what we're talking about? No. Where we, we had like a solid edition and then a real trash edition that lasted a very short amount of time. They're like, let's go back and do 3.5. Right. <laughs> and then let's do five. So. It's like the Windows Vista. <laughs> <laughs> Pretend it didn't happen. It is all very interesting how it all comes together. But for our story tonight, we're going to be beginning our saga in the country of Holland. Oh. oh. The windmills. Yeah. So I'm and gonna clogs. I'm gonna put on my wooden shoes. And tulips. <laughs> and not just And dams. <laughs> and fingers. Dikes. D- sorry. And dikes. <laughs> dikes and fingers. Yep. Yeah. Uh well. And, yeah. and uh eggs sitting on walls. Is that a, a Holland thing? I don't know. It is in my head. Hollandaise sauce. <laughs> yes. I don't think and, that is a Holland thing. <laughs> and no. being confused, is it Denmark or is it Holland? <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. We should play a game some called sometime called Holland or Denmark. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to be called? <laughs> and not just any old time period in Holland. We're going all the way back to the late 1500s. Wow. Oh. So was this uh, AD&D? This is when there w- <laughs> Yep. This was D&D LARPing, the original. Was yep. that it? There was dragons. Yeah. So, there be dragons. There be dragons. In the late 1500s, there was a very valuable commodity that was imported from Turkey. D&D books. Nope. It Tulip. was it Turkey. Tulip bulbs. Oh. oh. From Turkey, huh? From Turkey. Yep. So these bulbs were imbued with the same exoticism as Oriental rugs, spices, and other luxury imports. Ooh, tulips. Yeah. I never knew tulips were that valuable. They were in the back in the day. <laughs> because, Dave, when you have a, <laughs> yeah, a pretty comfortable it. middle class, you can afford like a lot of luxury goods. Yeah. Oh, like so not modern day America. Yep. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can't for get sure. no tulips. Middle class. <laughs> I don't got that tulip money. What do you make? A hundred k? That's not tulip money. That's not tulip money. Get out of here. Get out. You of get, get daisy money at best. <laughs> get out of here. You may have grass. So it was very gauche to be an affluent person in Holland and not have at least some tulips in your private garden. Oh yeah, put yeah, some private. tulips in my private. This garden. is a reference to an episode when so, we played a game called something herbaceous. 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 This we, is a reference to my life. <laughs> <laughs> private garden. I live in a oh, condo. Welcome, I don't have a private to garden. My private garden. <laughs> Wealthy merchants were somewhat rare in Western Europe at the time, 
So the merchant middle class was willing to imitate the truly wealthy. So you have all these like middle class people who want to imitate the super wealthy. Oh, so they were playing keeping up with the Swanson sins. That's exactly what the Zvonfen dolls. <laughs> the Zvonen dolls. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> so yeah, they, there was a there's a lot of people who were very interested in imitating the rich here. Uh, and so what happened was is that merchants began buying and selling tulip bulbs as a luxury item. Oh, man. Not in this economy. <laughs> not in this economy or not. Do you think this like uh, started a large counterfeit tulip bulbs underground? Oh, you think they were selling bulbs and they turned out they're like onions and yeah. stuff? Oh, oh man. No. Oh, no. Got him. I got oh. garlic again. <laughs> <laughs> when you have all these merchants buying and selling tulip bulbs, you have brand new markets open that had never been opened before. Uh, In 1634, a Wild West speculative market opened as tulip bulbs began selling at all-time high prices. (laughs) What a crazy thing that I never knew existed. Yeah. (laughs) Also, I can't wait to see what this has to do with the TNT. (laughs) Tell me about my my tulip prices. We're uh, we're taking the scenic route tonight, gentlemen. Clearly. (laughs) Bulbs were being sold uh, for between 4,000 and 5,000 florins. That sounds like a lot, but mm-hmm. I don't have See, any reference. <laughs> any chance you got an exchange yeah. right there? <laughs> so I do not. And the reason why is because florins at the time were actual gold coins, and they weren't standardized. I tell you what, a gold coin. I would, I would gladly sell you tulips for a gold <laughs> coin. Yeah. But here's what I can tell you about how much you can buy for X amount of florins, right? So there are existing receipts today where you could get Four tunes of beer costing 32 florins. And these were costing <laughs> yeah. hundreds of florins? Right. Tulip? I could get real schnookered or you have, have two petals of a tulip. Right. You may have so one after, tulip bulb. So after I started doing all of the exchange rates for the cost of a single bulb, like a 4,000 florin bulb, you could buy 504,000 gal- gallons of beer. Wow. <laughs> That's a good... Uh, that is a... Uh, yeah. I think I choose beer. Like, I got to be honest, guys. I, I choose beer. <laughs> Just, here's a lake of beer. <laughs> what are you even going to do with that I much beer? That drown happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. They were saying, like, each tune is, like, 500 gallons or 504 gallons about. It's, like, basically one tune equals 65 kegs. <sighs> and then so for 32 florins, you could get four of those. So ergo, 4,000 florins equals 504,000 kind of beer. Nuts. Coors Light? Yeah. <laughs> Holland Light? You Back get, then, I'm sure it was like the original Heineken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to taste the windmills. <laughs> taste the windmill. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's so dumb. Right. So you have all these people who are selling these tulip bulbs uh, for wildly exaggerated prices. At that point, stock traders got in on the action because they're like, yeah. well, this is great. Get them tulip futures. Yeah. We got speculation <laughs> happening on tulip bulbs. This is so wait crazy. Wait until that market crashes. Ugh. So, wait, yeah, wait till <laughs> one tulip bacteria comes oh through town. Oh, my God. What are you going to do? Oh, then that beer's terrible. not looking so bad I've been, I've been buying options, baby. I'm yep. making bank. <laughs> so once the stock traders got involved in, this, yeah. in the swapping of tulip, seed, like tulip bulbs, you had daily markets open up. And so people would go to the market. You would invest money in tulips. You would then hopefully flip those tulips for a profit when you sell them to other like wealthier classes yeah. <laughs> stock market <laughs> stock crazy. market exactly in uh, animal crossing it's called the stock market mm. oh. all i all nice. i know is that forevermore you will be able to buy tulip bulbs in my D games and they will be 
astronomically <laughs> expensive Wild. for no reason. Wildly yep. expensive. These are 4,000 gold pieces. Yeah. What does it do? It's, it's a tulip. A, it's a tulip. That's what it does. And then your players like will save up and buy one because yeah. they assume it's some great thing. It's just a tulip bowl. The mm-hmm. best part of that, though, make sure they take care of it properly. Like <laughs> plant it where there's yep. enough sun and water. You didn't water your tulip bulb. The it's entire dead. adventure you were gone, yep, it's yeah. dead. you didn't hire someone to water it. <laughs> yep, yep, it's dead now. And the person you did hire, you didn't do a background check, and they just like blew it off. Four thousand four k gold <laughs> down the drain. Mm-hmm. So the tulip economy built and built, causing some speculators to wonder if poverty could ever again exist in Holland, because all you had to do to get rich was start speculating tulip bulbs. Hey. These things never last. <laughs> no, you don't say. I, I recall a thing similar to this with internet startups <laughs> and housing. No, there's never enough money. Nope. <laughs> nope. You'll never, this will never stop. It'll never stop. Is so, it Justin Bieber? Don't stop stopping. Don't stop. That's pop star. Never stop never stopping. Stop stopping. People began to borrow money to procure tulip bulbs in order to sell to turn a tidy profit. Oh, good idea. Yeah, yeah. borrow money <laughs> for a tulip bulb. That's a good idea. Yep, and all of this was great until it wasn't. In, ni- in yeah. 1637, mm-hmm. tulip prices plummeted, and people had begun selling uh, them for a quarter of what their speculated value oh, had been no. uh, the day before. I've been to Home Depot, and I can tell you their current value, not that great. Not yeah. even a quarter. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Tulip bubble had burst, and those holding the bulbs had lost a significant amount of money. Oh, man. This was called tulip mania. Yeah. Tulipia. Mm-hmm. So there are some apocryphal stories that this had actually sunk a significant portion of the Holland economy. Mm. That is not the case. Oh. Most people, this was fine. truly just a well, like a, a wealthy luxury item. This it was, was very a... stylish to own until, you know. Until it wasn't. Until it wasn't. People have exaggerated saying that uh, merchants committed suicide after being left penniless. But in all actuality, tulip mania had only affected a small sliver of Holland's merchants. But it was not the last time a bubble would affect the industry of a hobby. Is this your segue? Is it that people lied about other people committing suicide for the wrong reason? Just like last episode where people lied about people committing suicide because their characters died? I wish. Is that your tie That would be a what really a good tie-in, but it's not. <laughs> what a terrible tie. Just this unconnected story about suicide. Yep. Like, what is this show about? <laughs> what is happening? Guys. Mark's really into yeah. suicide lately. Guys, it's it makes weird. sense he stopped using his lamp. Yeah. He stopped using his depression lamp. He said the season's over. The season's over. (laughs) All right. So, gentlemen, we talked about the collectible card game craze that was unleashed by Magic the Gathering Mm -hmm. in our first segment, Wizards Never Die. Still continues. Yeah. Yep. It's never, never stopped. That bubble hasn't popped yet. We should trade futures on it. We should. Uh, Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even know. (laughs) I would know how. (laughs) So, once Magic the Gathering was released to universal acclaim and unheard of sales figures, most publishers wanted to get in on that action. Sure. Mm-hmm. They're like, I need I need that magic money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see uh, some other company getting rich on something, you will make your own version of that something yep. mm-hmm. that skirts the, <laughs> the, skirts the, the legality law. of it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first collectible card game post-Magic the Gathering was TSR's Spellfire in June of 1994. TSR came out with it. Yep. They wanted to get on there, too. Well, huh. you got to figure. Hard times. Yeah. Just getting out of the satanic what year panic. Was this? 94. Oh, before they went to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. before they sold out. And they gotcha. were already probably pretty cast strapped, so they're they're thinking, easy payday. I know how to do this. Yeah. Especially if it's based on like monsters and spells and stuff from, from the D D universe. Mm-hmm. You've got a built in audience. Yeah, exactly. So during this period of time, uh magic we had talked about was very hard to get a hold of. Yeah. There just weren't enough cards to meet the extreme demand of people who were trying to get in on the hobby. You are mm. saying a supply and demand issue. Yeah. <laughs> So most retailers overordered in order to uh, beat allocation limits. Gotcha. So it's a lot like what I do with drugs sometimes. Overorder. I need gabapentin, so I order (laughs) 
1,400 gabapentin, and then yeah. I'm happy if I get 1,000. So <laughs> this is a very, once again, this, this is, is the second so, time yeah. Mark made a very specific to his life. Yeah, reference. I was going to say, we should all just mention right now that Mark works in a pharmacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. weird. Yeah. It's not, Mark, in his personal life, is not ordering 1,400 gabapentin. And no. second, I don't know what gabapentin is. Well, I David's do. a drug for neuropathy. Yeah. Oh, obviously. You can use it for all kinds of stuff. Do you need treatment? Aches and pains, sleepy time. Now I want some. Yep. Well, he just ordered for me. <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> Come to my job. You got a guy. <laughs> the problem was solved with the release of Magic the Gathering's Fallen Empires expansion in 1994. Oh, that did him in? Yeah. Well, drop, getting there. Drop the a No, I already know. They okay. dropped, <laughs> dropped the A-bomb on him with the Fallen something. Yep. What was it? Fallen Empire. Cool name. Yeah, it's a very yeah. good name. It's better than the original name for Magic the Gathering. Clash. Yeah, Clash. is stupid. I would never play a game called Clash. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't play Magic the Gathering. But I certainly wouldn't play it if it's called Clash. <laughs> I wouldn't play it more. <laughs> so I'd fall- actively work against it. <laughs> So Fallen Empires released co- coupled with nine other collectible card games that released that same year and began to spell early like trouble for retailers. Nine? Nine. Oh, man. Nine? Yeah. Nine, nine. <laughs> nine other collectible card games were released around the same time that Fallen Empires expansion Trying dropped. to get that money. Yeah. Too little, Horn too in late. On the action. Yep. Uh, distributors began to complain about having too much product available and not enough <laughs> players to purchase it all. <laughs> In 1995, the Game Manufacturers Association trade show noted that one out of every three new games announced at the show was a collectible card game. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, Magic the Gathering's making billions over here. That's you... called saturating the market. Yeah, yeah that's like uh, napalming the market. Yeah. <laughs> there is no market now. In all, 38 new collectible card games were released in 1995. Wow. In 95, one year? 38. One year. Yeah. That's like three a month. There's been trends nowadays that have been like, hey, here's a roll and write. And, you know, roll and oh, writes yeah. are big, so let's make more of them, but not. 39 in one year. Yeah, people went hog wild on <laughs> like collectible three. card games. Collectible card games seems more expensive than... Ma- like, if I'm going to make a roll and write, it's standalone, I'm done with it. But collectible yeah. card games, I got to make like... All those mm-hmm. packets. I got to make yeah. packets. I got to make sure it's balanced. Mm-hmm. Well, or do I? <laughs> well, damn, <laughs> yeah. it's funny you say that. Or do I? <laughs> because another factor that led to that problem was the fact that too many companies were really focused on making the game collectible. <laughs> And none of them were focusing on the actual gameplay itself. Yeah, that that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So you had a bunch of really bad games that were being published just because you would collect these cards and then profit. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> like, the Star Wars collectible card game. Mm-hmm. And my, I had a friend who was super into that. And I would go over and he'd be like, let's play. I have a deck for you. And then he would trounce me. Yeah. I, that same thing happened with Netrunner and uh, Andre. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, I'll teach you Netrunner. And then he trashed me like 16 in a row. <laughs> <laughs> like, this game's not very fun. Well, it's funny because uh, Star Wars is like one of the collectible card games that came out later. And it was like to try to salvage the what was left mm. of the market. They thought, there was a World of Warcraft collectible card. Really? Game, yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. I believe so. I could be lying. I'll just assume you're right. Oh, my God. Just take my word for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't take my word for it. <laughs> Check it out at your local library. <laughs> <laughs> Reading Rainbow. When the industry made collectible card game bubble burst every company involved took a bath yeah i'm yeah. sure uh, wizards of the coast the industry juggernaut downsized following the bubble 30 employees were laid off and eight months passed before they released a follow-up to fallen empires oh, that's a lot idiots that, eight whole months eight whole that months. doesn't seem that long that is the longest length of time between magic the gathering expansions is what i read really wow. to, yeah. this to this day? day to this day yeah eight whole months that's how unconnected to magic the gathering so let me tell you I don't know anything like we've gone on record like I don't know anything about Magic the Gathering right so I get an email 
all the time from Cool Stuff Inc. trying to sell me stuff, right? And every time I open it, because I, I mean, I gotta buy stuff. <laughs> so every time I open it, and the, the very top half, all of it's like always something new with Magic the Gathering. Mm. And I never put two and two together, but now it makes sense because it's always like, it always looks cool. Like the art's awesome. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this looks great. I'm like, oh, Magic the Gathering. <laughs> I can't mm-hmm. afford this. Then I scroll down to the like the little banner below, and there's like three games. Ooh, ooh, oh. <laughs> three games. Yeah, we're talking nice. Yes. Cool stuff. Think knows a sucker. Yeah, <laughs> knows, they know where their their bread's buttered. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So my checking account. <laughs> the next two years uh, would put the industry on cooldown as publishers like began to work through all of the glut that they had in the system. Mm. They had to all institute better practices, such as supporting games with like tournaments what? and like actual rule systems that were good. That's and like semi-balanced gameplay. No, that doesn't yeah, check out. Yeah. That's not how you make money. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so that was all in the 90s, which brings us to Wizards of the Coast buying uh, TSR. TSR. Mm. I got you. Yeah. Thank you, Dan. I'm, fall- I'm, yeah. I'm falling. You're through. good. You've, you've, I, I can't wait for you to see how well you do on the test. <laughs> oh, there's a test. I've been, oh no! I've been cramming. <laughs> we talked about how and wizards never die about the vaunted D20 system that Wizards of the Coast had released with Third Edition. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for those of you who missed that episode, basically the D20 system is a open source license for you to create stuff using D and D's proprietary game engine to help augment their experience with the game it's right. like when a video game designer releases a game and then says the community can mod it like yeah yeah that's just saying hey why don't you guys do work so i don't have to but also more people will buy my game yeah absolutely like mm-hmm. there, if enough people talk about a module for the d20 system they're gonna have to buy the core rules mm-hmm. yeah so that's what they want yep and people sure. are good at that stuff oh yeah people like doing that stuff mm-hmm. not me <laughs> but people but people but people so the D20 system was the brainchild of Ryan Dancy. And this guy's like Ryan actually... Ryan Dancy. Ryan Dancy. It's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, he would have been uh, really looked down upon in a certain town where they didn't allow Ryan Dancy. This is a footloose joke, Mark. Yeah, I feel like there's been a number of footloose jokes on this podcast. There really has been. And it's starting to make me think I should watch it. You've never seen Footloose? I have also never seen Footloose. Never oh, seen Footloose. <laughs> Which is a better dancing movie? Footloose or Dirty Dancing? <laughs> <laughs> The the answer. I've so, never seen either. So my wife's favorite movie is Dirty Dancing, but oh. the answer to that is Footloose. Ooh. Interesting. Okay. Despite in it having household. Kevin Bacon, he's the worst. <laughs> All right. Do you, how about how you feel about Dirty Dancing versus Flashdance? I I've never seen Flashdance. I've never seen so. Flashdance either. Well, is I'm over three, so I'm yeah. maniac. If you're asking, do I think Step Up or <laughs> Dirty Dancing? The answer is Step Up. Funny story. <laughs> Answer, listen, I have no qualms about saying how much I like Step yeah, Up. Yeah, you, you, you have like been on record about loving Step Up for I, a long I, time. I love it. I cannot dance. I might as well be from the town in Footloose. I, am, <laughs> I don't dance. But I love watching people dance. Yeah. It's very impressive. So the other day, we were looking to see if we had a movie on DVD. We only have so many. So I opened it up to see, and because it wasn't streaming. And my daughter's looking at it. She's like, oh, my gosh, you have Step Up 2 Back to the Streets or some nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I do. Like, I probably have some more somewhere else. She's like, why do you have that? I was like, because it's great. Because daddy loves it. Because I love it. And then she looked down on me. She's eight. <laughs> she and stood wife, up on the couch. <laughs> my wife said something, too. Like, ugh. Like, ugh. I was like, no, they're great. <laughs> I've never seen any of them. So story of, also not. Oh, my gosh. Well, we should watch them all in a row. All right, well, you know, we've got an 80s podcast now. Let's do it. They're not 80s movies. I mean, neither they're was Jaws, two, but... They're 2000s movies. <laughs> if you want to start a step-up podcast, I am willing. 
Okay. Well, I have 200 florins. How much beer can I get again? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, some sort of, uh, I believe, like 96 tunes. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so Step Up. Is step the, Up. The answer to greatest dance movie is Step Up. Okay. Very good. I'm glad we could get that out. I'm glad we cleared glad that we up. we got you on the record as far as that goes. I give it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ryan Dancy, actually a really super interesting That's guy. what those jokes all came from? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. All right. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a really super interesting guy. He worked for Five Rings Publishing Company, and he was their VP of Product Development. Five Rings. Five Rings. I've, well, we've played some games from them. Mm-hmm. I have not played any games from them that I think of, but there is a Five Rings uh, living card game Oh yeah, from Fantasy Flight. Mm-hmm. How's that work? You, do know. the cards fight? No. Yes, you set uh, them on a table. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's not... Live, living card game is like collectible card game. You don't know what you're going to get in the deck, right? Oh, yeah, okay. Living card game is like you know what you're getting when you're buying these expansions. Like Netrunner oh. was, a li- was yeah, that version. You know, you know what you're getting, then you can build your deck from there. Oh. Or like not necessarily like uh some of like the uh, lord of the rings living card game you're it, it's adventure game so you're doing adventures but you know what you're getting with the box gotcha. unlike magic or other which is all kind of like randomized and i assume so it's no Yu-Gi-Oh. it's no, no oh, Yu-Gi-Oh wow, okay. and or pokemon so. <laughs> <laughs> very good he and company president robert abramovitz knew that tsr was on the verge of bankruptcy and prepared a deal they brought to peter atkinson which we talked about in segment one uh, the CEO and founder of uh, Wizards of the Coast. Atticuson loved the deal, purchased TSR'd Five Rings, and folded the companies into Wizards of the Coast. Dancy began working as the business head of the role-playing department, and he oversaw the release of D&D 3rd Edition and was considering the future of the game. Is he the one who decided on 4th Edition? Because I suddenly like him less. Yeah, that he was, was uh, cool, then he got less. That was a ha- <laughs> I think that was a Hasbro mandate. That seems like a thing Hasbro was yeah. out. <laughs> once, they, once they got bought up, Hasbro was like, oh, D&D Monopoly. Dance, D&D dance. And mm-hmm. Yeah, make daddy coppers. Make me the D&D. <laughs> so many Florence. I have tulips to buy. <laughs> <laughs> so Dancy was a subscriber to an axiom noted by a co-worker named Scaff Elias. Yeah, Scaff. Scaff. Scaff Elias. Let's go Elias. I like Elias there. Scaff Elias. We're sure. with Scaff. I'm yep. fine. Elias noted that success of the RPG industry as a whole benefited the industry leader. Dancy also theorized yep. that... Sure. Yep. <laughs> you could say that literally with anything. <laughs> yep. Dancy also theorized that the proliferation of multiple RPG systems hurt the industry as a whole and would therefore hurt the industry leader. Therefore, yeah, that, that's if, how markets if work. Ford was the only car company, it would sell more Fords. And cars would be worse. Yeah. And cars would be worse, but if there were more car companies, Ford would sell less. Yeah, like, yes. And cars will be better to a point. <laughs> yeah, you only get so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's funny because these are all like written out like as a as a mathematical proof. It's like if one, then two. If two, that's then three. crazy. I feel like that's common sense. Yeah, yeah. that's econ one hundred and one. Well, this oh, is how this is this. how he ties it all together. So he said that the strength of D anD D wasn't the game system; it was the community surrounding the game. That's fair. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, if multiple publishers use the same basic gaming gaming system, all parties could experience success within the industry. Because if they were Maybe. all using the same stuff. Oh, so you're saying everyone should use the D20 system. That's exactly what he's saying, except that D20 hasn't been invented yet. This mm. is where he gets the idea of the D20 oh. system. Oh. So with this basic philosophy in hand, uh, Dancy turns to designers Monty Cook, Skip Williams, and Jonathan Tweet, and Richard Baker. Old Johnny Tweet. Old Johnny Tweet. <laughs> tweet, Tweet. To design what would be eventually called the D20 system an open source gaming system that other publishers could use to make compatible adventures, modules, and other source materials. 
A good idea. Yep. Very oh, good idea. Turned out to be a good idea. <laughs> and then a bad idea. And then a good idea again. Yep. We got to round it out. So the D20 system was designed so that it could be canceled literally at any moment. Done. We're what? done. <laughs> yep. So it would allow publishers to put an official D20 logo on their published materials, making them more attractive to consumers, but also protecting Wizards of the Coast, where you could revoke the license and say, okay, well, now we're the only ones using the D20 system. That's shady. Wait, so they could basically have you publish a ton of stuff Uh to increase the amount of stuff for their game, and then as soon as it was popular enough, they go... Uh, now it's just ours. It's yeah. it. It was designed so that the second it started hurting one of Wizards of the Coast, they could they could it. stop it. Mm. Yeah, which or again, anytime they felt like. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that seems like a way to try to leverage yourself into a monopoly of an industry. Red light, Weird. green light with the system. Yeah. yeah, red light, green light, red light, green light. Five E does that too, though. You could get a Five E badge. I don't know if it's from uh, Wizards of the Coast or. Uh, Hasbro, whatever. Mm-hmm. But you can, there's all sorts of 5e modules out there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all, again, like once I think every new edition is released, there's like an update to the license that the basically lets you edition. continue to use. What's that? The banned new edition. Oh, yeah. That's good. I know. That's a good yeah, joke. They use the Roll 20 system, right? <laughs> you want to play a bandmate in the 1990s. Roll for charisma. <laughs> roll for longevity. Yeah, roll for seriously. body roll? <laughs> Watch out for my body rolls. So many publishers immediately began creating content using the D20 system upon its release in the year 2000. Because why not? Like, you've got the most famous gaming system out there right now. Hey, we got to get a piece of that pie too, right? Yeah, Mm got to get it. Got to make that money. Some companies like Chaosium used the system to streamline their own engines. Like, uh, I think Chaosium is the ones who did uh, Call of Cthulhu RPG. They did a lot of, like, their own independent stuff. But they used the D20 system to, like, really find things in, make well, it more approachable. Because it works. Also, how easy is it to design a gaming system if you have all the core rules <laughs> yeah. right there written yeah. for you? Also, I wonder how that license works. Like, if you use a D20 to decide things, can Wizards of the Coast get upset at you? Because that now seems like it's encroaching on just a game mechanic. I think, it's, the- I think it's just their core mechanics. Yeah. So I think it's like it's got more to do with how it all functions together because i do remember part of the issue with the open license for the d20 system is that you couldn't do character creation using d20 you couldn't do i'd have to review my notes but or, i do character creation using 4d6 that's not true i use a stat block but it's like a, it's like the built-in system like 4d20 this is how you generate characters this is how oh, you do like combat. Scores between zero and twenty mm-hmm. and gotcha. plus yeah, and minuses. Yeah. So like there were certain parts of it that you couldn't use as an as an independent company, but it's all subject to the terms of the license at that moment. This which seems like a pain if you're which, a publisher. Seriously. Which we'll get into in a minute. <laughs> all the law speak. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so other companies like uh, Fantasy Flight Games, White Wizard, AEG, and Mongoose Publishing began to use the D20 to create new content for that particular system. So some people were using it to streamline their own products. Other people were just making products for D20. It just kind of depends on what they were getting into. One such company was called Valar Project, run by a former Wizards of the Coast brand manager named Anthony Volterra. In 2003, uh, Valar Project exposed one of the flaws of the open gaming license, namely that the content couldn't be governed. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Good luck. The Book of Erotic Fantasy aimed to include... (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There it is. Uh, The Book of Erotic Fantasy aimed to include rules for sexual activities, pregnancies, sexually transmitted illnesses, social effects, and humorous sections based on appearance and sexual organs that I couldn't read because I don't have a membership described. (laughs) 
I'm so proud of you for not signing up. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It was tip. if it yeah. had been like a free trial, I would have read it just so that I could report in. I don't care for that at all. Not yeah. in my D&D. Yeah, not in my <laughs> yeah, D&D, buddy. Sure. Sure. You pervert. Yeah, so obviously Wizards of the Coast was mm, less than thrilled. Sure. Yeah, they're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To have sexual, sexually explicit material tied to their flagship RPG, uh, especially when you think about how far they'd come since the unfair ties to the satanic panic <laughs> yeah, from they, the 1980s. <laughs> like they already really got looked down upon by a lot of the world, slash so mostly U.S. But. Trying so hard to clear their name. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then this no. butthole comes up. <laughs> <laughs> and then sure enough, the second that you release an open license into the world, it takes three years. The next thing you know, you've got the big book of fantasy erotica. Man, not in today's internet. That would be done overnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some guys so just true. got it cashed on his desktop yeah. and he's just waiting for the moment to release it into the world. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> my magnum opus <laughs> yes this is my mona lisa <laughs> um i lost my spot so stupid. i don't care for it no uh wizards of the coast amended the open license to include a morality clause that described the need to adhere to a community standard of decency yeah zip it up you perv <laughs> yeah they said you can't <laughs> We're not we're not okay with any of this. So Valar Project would eventually drop the D20 logo and just would publish the book of erotic fantasy under the open license of D20, just without the trademark. So that's mm. the kind of way you can get around that. Yeah, it's like, no, nah, we're not involved with them. So this had <laughs> it's completely different, except yeah. it's not. So this had a kind of a chilling effect through the industry because a lot of third party writers were worried that Wizards of the Coast still had a lot of sway in what could and couldn't be published for RPGs especially if you were like working with the D20 system. Another fact that you would kind of hit upon, Dave, was the fact that the system had terms that you had to adhere to, and those terms were current and future amendments, mm. which is crazy. <laughs> well, and that's insane because that means I publish a book now, I print 5,000 copies of them, yeah. I sell 1,000 copies, and then you change your rules that I followed when I printed these right. copies, uh -huh. and now I'm not allowed now to print. Now you got 4,000 books you can't And exactly. not only do you have 4,000 books you can't sell, the terms of the agreement with the license were that they had to be destroyed. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Good that's luck. ridiculous. I'd put it in a warehouse somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Find it. Oh no! I'm gonna sell it on the street like bootleg DVDs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be out there like a like a busker in front yeah. of a ball yeah, game. Yeah, Dave's Dave's gonna be down in the subway. <laughs> Anybody yep. need that discount D and D books? Strumming his loot. <laughs> yeah. Custom coins here. Got your custom coins. Only we two. got platinum. We got aluminum. We got vibranium. <laughs> Forty-five <laughs> florins each. <laughs> Dave's out there selling his discount books and tulips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's just the fact that you would have to destroy all of your product if if a future amendment to the license that sucks, or yeah. if they just felt like it. That's the thing. Like a future amendment, it's not even that it had to come from anything. They could have just decided yeah. they don't want you selling it. Amend it. And now you're just screwed. And yeah. now, That's, yeah, there's uh, no way to sell the thing. I want to go on record as saying that sucks. I <laughs> don't care for it. Yeah, three out of three nerds agree. That seems like a Hasbro move. Seems pretty lame. One. Oh, my gosh. It's like they knew their future. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now we're getting to what I like to call the big botch. Okay. Fourth edition. <laughs> the, the D20 systems release allowed a huge spike in published material that was available for purchase. So you basically have all these independent developers making a bunch of stuff for D20, right? And it's all geared around 3E. 
most, it was like the Cadillac of RPG uh, systems. Yeah, it was the best of times, it was the worst. <laughs> yeah, of time. it was like the Escalade. You would climb in and it'd have spinners and it'd be real cool because you'd be on like MTV Cribs and you'd be like, check out my cool car. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't like, know. I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, was it on, like on Pimp My Ride with who was it? Ice T or something? Uh, exhibit. Like that? No, exhibit. Exhibit. Ice T. Come on, he's a cop now. Close enough. <laughs> He's now finding homicides and pimped rides. <laughs> he does all the heavy lifting on that show. Him and Munch, they, they solve all the crimes. I haven't seen that show. I've seen me. as many episodes of that as I've seen dancing movies. Yep, you I've should seen, watch more dancing I've movies. seen a few of those episodes, and they, he solves the crime in every it's single one. It's on TBS or TNT like all day long. You have all this glut of product. And many retailers and publishers are uh, considering this an excellent way to get a boost in their sales. Easy peasy. Uh, faced what with, could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> Many retailers, faced with this huge amount of material and no easy way of discerning what was good or what was bad, uh, began just buying anything and everything with the D20 logo on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a good idea. No. And here's the part where I ask you guys, does any of this sound familiar? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it's feel just... like we're about to have 36 editions of, <laughs> of TNT come out in the same year. <laughs> right? So when Hasbro purchased Wizards of the Coast, the toy giant decided it was going to leave no dollar on the table. Yeah. The first order Hasbro. of business was to update the game engine to 3.5. Sure. People love that. You already made a D20. <laughs> <laughs> now exactly. I have to update it. Exactly. In August 2003 at Gen Con 36. Which is fun now because Hasbro no longer owns Gen Con. That's correct. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast announced that they were going to switch to 3.5e. With little to no warning, publishers and retailers <laughs> were suddenly holding onto a lot of products. Can you imagine how much <sighs> stuff was at Gen Con yes, yes. that was yeah. third, third edition. edition? Like, what? Yeah. They were suddenly holding onto a lot of product that consumers weren't sure was still applicable to the new engine. Oh, that's brutal. In addition, uh, Wizards of the Coast didn't make it immediately clear that the D20 license was still available to use, meaning it might have been tempting for the company with a somewhat litigious past to sue publishers for infringing on their trademark systems. That's mm. real dirty. Yeah, again, not a thing that would be foreign to Wizards of the Coast at that point. Yeah, that sucks. Yep. So Get out of my hobby! <laughs> <laughs> These dual reasons caused a cascade effect throughout the industry at large. In one famous example, wholesaler and distributor Wizards Addict, which apparently was like one of the biggest like publishing houses or Wait, uh, distributors at the time. Sorry, is that Wizards Addict? Like I'm addicted to Oh D&D? no, I'm sorry, Wizards Addict. Like a room above a house. Oh, that makes way more sense. They should have <laughs> called the <laughs> They like, oh, what a, what a weird company name. Right? They should have called themselves Dungeons Attic. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. It is. It doesn't weird. make any sense. Nope. Nope. No, I like it. It's like, I prefer Wizard Addict. <laughs> I'm addicted hey, to wizards. I need it all. I need all the wizards. Hey, man, you got any more of them toadstools? <laughs> that's like some weird Harry Potter fanfic. Yeah, Probably. for sure. Oh, uh, Wizard's Addict. Uh, so Wizard's Raw. Attic went under, which in turn mortally wounded other world creations, which in turn left hundreds of small publishers with huge financial debts from unpaid revenues and copies of their games that were never returned. And you know who doesn't care? Hasbro. Yep. yep. Screw them. They got theirs. So this burst bubble was very reminiscent to the collectible card game bubble that had burst not even 10 years before. And the tulip bubble. The mm-hmm. tulip bubble. Mm-hmm. 300 years. 300. <laughs> 500 years. 500 yeah. years. When, when was it? It was 1637. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was uh, like 300 years. Did you past. learn nothing from Holland? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, many D20 publishers uh, either left the marketplace, went bankrupt, or simply began to ignore the D20 license in favor of publishing direct competition under the OGL. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like at this point. Yeah, I can't trust what they're going to do yeah. anymore. The publishers that had the option to stick it out would eventually bounce back with the advent of 5e. Yeah. 
once we got through the bad times of 4e yeah, we finally got to 5e ages. yep <laughs> the dark uh, ages and basically that has caused uh the d20's popularity to skyrocket again so much yeah, yeah. the 5e you can find so much stuff for 5e oh, it's yeah. crazy for sure if business is indeed cyclical cyclical that's the one cyclical <laughs> like a bicycle yeah, cyclical. bicycle yeah <laughs> a bicycle you can yeah. <laughs> that's bicycle. the way mark said it I that's one like of my it. favorite ways to get around town is with the a bicycle, bicycle. <laughs> Yep. If all businesses is cyclical, <laughs> it may only be a matter of time before I, I tell you, I say so much smart stuff and then just all <laughs> just, of it burned up with cyclical. You write so much smart yeah. stuff. <laughs> from the moment it has to be out loud. Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> uh, sweets, guys. Uh, it's all those sweets. It's only a matter of time before 5e's popularity wanes and another bubble takes its place. As to whether or not publishers and retailers have learned their lesson. Well, that just remains to be seen. D&D 5.5. Let me 5. just tell 5. you. <laughs> Extreme. Extreme. If Hasbro, e squared. If Hasbro ever buys this podcast, okay. I'm uh-huh. going to talk about them just like John Oliver talks about AT&T. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, business daddy? <laughs> Slammed on you again. Yeah, you know how good. I'll talk about them? However they want me to. <laughs> you want me yeah. to gush over your business savvy? Sure. Send me that check. Yeah, it depends on how much the zeros that check has. That would be a shock if yeah, for sure. Purchase this podcast. I think their check would be only zeros. So that's the story of the big botch. Basically, that's, yeah, yeah. There's a huge, the there's a huge bubble that popped, and everyone's left holding a bunch of stuff that nobody wanted. Everybody's got tulip futures. Yeah, no tulips. Which yeah. is crazy because you could have bought a swimming pool of beer mm-hmm. for two tulip petals. Very I bet you could have bent so many windmills. <laughs> so many windmills. How many, or, how many windmills for these two tulips? How many, <laughs> how many dykes can I own with this tulip future? Hello, I am Don Quixote. <laughs> and I am interested in your windmill. I'll have four of windmill, please. I am Don Quixote for my tulip. <laughs> Which is, isn't he Spanish? Like, I'm way I believe off, he is but, Spanish, yeah. yeah. But so, he is defeating windmills. Yeah, it was a windmill joke. He's trampling tulips. <laughs> Uh, so I will say this has been like a lot of fun for me to do these huge deep dives into like the history of D&D and like Wizards of the Coast. And if you found any of this stuff interesting at all, I have to point you in the direction for the person who knows the most about it. And that's uh, Shannon Applecline. This is a guy who has written about 500,000 words on the subject Ooh, of D&D crazy. and RPGs in general. He's got a huge book series called Designers and Dungeons. Uh, it basically tr- follows RPGs from 1970 until the modern day. Oh, that's cool. That's crazy. Yeah, so he's a guy you should be reading for a lot of more information about any of these publishers. So publishers you've heard of, publishers you haven't heard of, the ones that kind of went by the wayside, the ones that made it. This guy is like the premier dude. And so I'm including in the show notes um, two links to get to his books. Uh, one's through Evil Hat Publishers, and the other's on Amazon if you want to go that route. Dungeons in December uh, would not have been possible without all of Mr. Applecline's hard work. So, and Dave and I. Yeah, and Dave and you. <laughs> and definitely Dan and I. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys want to follow him on Twitter, his handle's at Applecline. That's A-P-P-E-L-C-L-I-N-E. And just let him know that I said thank you, and I really appreciate it. Did you talk to this guy? Have not talked to him yet. I Why mean, not? Um, does kinda, he have audio versions? Guy. Yeah, does he have audio versions? I think they are on Audible, yeah. Oh. Who's the narrator? 
Uh, is it Will Wheaton? <laughs> is it Will Wheaton? Because I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, I actually don't know. But yeah, I think there are audible versions of the of Thank this God, stuff. So I'm not going to read a book. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> funny story. So we are we have an uh, upstairs bedroom that we use as a uh, like a gym, but there's a desk in it. And I was like, we got to get this desk out of here. My wife's like, well, you got all these books under there and you got to get them out of there. My daughter's like, I've never seen you read a book. (laughs) (laughs) But they're all like coding books. They're like for Mm -hmm. when I was in college. And I was like, well, I read all those. And she's like, well, I didn't even know you could read. (laughs) It's like, it's a gross care. You're so capricious. Real rude. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, I can. I can read. I can read. But well, I don't. I choose not. Episode forty-two. Episode is pushing up the tulips. I like it. Episode number forty-two <laughs> in the books. Thank you, Mark, for your excellent work. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys, like I said, enjoyed it. Learned you some locked stuff. The doors, so, oh yeah, I yeah. can't get out. Can't get out of here. Which is yeah. weird because I'm your ride. I booby trapped it. <laughs> I booby trapped uh, it. So if you have any questions or comments, or would like us to review a game, or would you like Mark to do some research on mm-hmm. something? Because we're fine with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. With that. I'm not going to do it. If you'd Tell like me, me to do research on it, mm-hmm. too bad. Mm-hmm. Tell me interesting stuff. I'm working on new bad guys of board game history. There you go. To so, a little teaser for the future. A preview. That is the end of our episode, but feel free to email us, randomdrawpodcast at gmail.com. You'll get uh, get us there. And uh, check out our Instagram, randomdrawpodcast. All those words uh, underscored in between each of those. All the games we play posted up there so you could see what we're doing. No pictures of us, though, because you don't want to see that. <laughs> although, <laughs> although my hair today is fantastic. It's, it's pretty incredible. It's, it's so tall. Very large. Yeah, it's like a 1970s lady haircut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Like a disco lady. You would only oh, look yeah. better if you had large shoulder pads. I could get large shoulder pads. Yeah, Paul you're about you <laughs> you're about a quarter inch from Golden Girls right now. Oh my God, yeah. So this is just so I uh, I am a ginger, if some people may say, and, and I, I will. My hair is very thick and very coarse. So if it if it, I blow dry it, it just gets so tall. <laughs> and I was telling them, so my hair is like this kind of afro. I put a I call it a beanie. Some other people may call it a, um, a toboggan or whatever. <laughs> Uh, so I put the, I had that on for an hour today, and I took it off my hair, just popped right back up. Boing. <laughs> it's, awesome. it's pretty incredible. I like yeah, it a lot. Right. I wish it was like this all the time. If you want to hear more shenanigans from sure. us, yeah, uh, we got four episodes up of our 1980s podcast. Yep. So make sure you go check that out. It's Random Draw, a 1980s podcast. We just talked about filaments mm-hmm. and koosh balls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we talked about Pac-Man last time. Pac-Man. Thank yeah. you, Mark. I got you, boo. Also, look at my hair. Does this waka 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 waka. Uh, check out our Facebook page that Mark runs. Yeah, Facebook.com. Go to the magnifying glass. Search for at Random Draw Pod. They're all the time waiting. Gavelbach had made it, babies. Oh, did didn't it? burn down. Dang it! This that's only because we didn't book a flight. Can't get over there. Can't get yeah. over there. Not letting us over there. Next but yeah, year, also check Next out year, Twitter we'll at Random Draw Pod. Um, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. Dave. Yeah. Yes, Mark. You've installed a bidet. I have. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. Well, first of all, let me tell Is you this about. Show talk. <laughs> I tell you. Go on. Though. First, let me tell you about the experience of installing a bidet. I am not a very handy person. Okay. Like, if you need me to program something or edit audio or work with a radio station sure i'm good at that but <laughs> you like mean your job yeah my job <laughs> do you want me to hook up pipes to things <laughs> oh see that's the stuff i am good at no yeah terrible i'm super at good at, at watching a youtube video then retaining that knowledge long enough <laughs> to finish that project well so i will say it. uh first of all it's called the tushy 
That's oh, what okay, you that's the, the brand. Yeah, it's okay. called the Tushy, which makes me laugh. You have a Tushy and a Squatty Potty. I do have a Tushy and a Squatty Potty. I have the throne of the toilets The median now. age of your bathroom is like 63. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I will say the directions to install this thing, like super dummy proof. Mm. Even I could do it without too much of a problem. And I mean a problem from the mental perspective. Like I was huffing like I ran a marathon by the time <laughs> I was done screwing and unscrewing things behind my toilet. Uh, but I did it. I did not flood the bathroom, only a tiny section of the bathroom. Nice. Yeah, that's good. Here's the deal. Uh, speaking personally, mm-hmm. I can't touch any hand tool and not immediately start sweating. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a, it's, it's, an autonomic response. I, like, I can't help it. Like, so I replaced two toilets in, our, in my house, uh-huh. and it was like, it, it only takes like under an hour to do it. It's not hard at mm-hmm. all. But it is like pretty labor intensive, and I like plan my whole day around it because I'm not doing anything else that day. <laughs> like I did, I exercised yeah. for like the whole day, just yeah. just like carrying a toilet with that's still half filled with water, like out of the house, mm-hmm. is a I, disaster. Yeah, I made the mistake of doing some yoga right before I did oh, this. Nice and, and limber. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you, my <laughs> thighs were burning by the yeah. end. <laughs> so I finished installing this thing, and then so it has a Next dial pose, on it. Bidet pose. <laughs> <laughs> It has a dial on it. One side uh, cleans the nozzle because it's like behind your butt. Like it's underneath the back of the toilet seat. Okay. Oh, is so where the actual nozzle is. It could is. get some action back there. A little, uh, you would have Depends to Depends really, on what you got going. I was going to say, you'd have to do some real splashy boy business. <laughs> but, but you could get her done. What, what on earth just happened? Yeah, Dave went right into like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you, you mentioned poop once. The next yeah. thing you know, we're like, get her done. Get her done. Oh, here's your sign. <laughs> So uh, the one side of the nozzle cleans the the nozzle itself. The other side turns on the bidet. Self-cleaning. So it's not like you have to hold a button. Like you turn a dial so it will spray until you turn it back off. Where's this dial? You're not. It's right next. It's on your right hand side. Is it like a remote? Yeah. But it's connected to the little bidet section. If you had a remote, that would be fun fun and games. Oh, like a Mm -hmm. wall panel where I could choose the temperature? Because let me tell you what I can't do. Choose the temperature. Yeah, I told you. You got to get that hot water adjustment. I was thinking more candy is on it and you have a remote. Oh. (laughs) I'll tell you what she doesn't expect. <laughs> yeah, no, no one expects that. No, well, so I install this thing and I turn it thinking it was going to be the wash side. But here's the thing. It is the correct direction if you are seated upon the toilet. It is reverse direction to you if you are standing in front of the toilet. Oh. So the first thing I did was turn it the straight wrong way. And it sprays directly at your crotch if you do that. <laughs> Just like a flawless aim. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thankfully, at this point, I'm... Covered in sweat. I feel disgusting. I was about to take a shower anyway. Unfortunately, I had to wait a day to try it out. Okay. For reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the next morning. The I, holiday cheese. Yeah. The next morning, <laughs> I, I get up and I uh, decide to try this thing out. The first spray is shocking. I bet. Yeah. If just you're not used cold, to it. cold, cold spray of water. Just And it, I had it adjusted perfectly, too. Just straight butthole. Yeah. <laughs> get it like dialed in <laughs> i just like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and i made the mistake of not taking my feet off the squatty potty so oh no like real exposed? real primed yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway i have not decided yet whether i truly like a bidet okay I, I feel like i need to give it a couple of weeks of getting used to it yeah i'm probably at like seven or eight uses now and i will say i feel cleaner on a daily okay. basis i, I bet in the that. summer it's nice oh yeah like when you're real hot and sweaty mm-hmm. like yeah. doing yard work or whatever and then but when I mean, it's 65 degrees already 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when I when I came in from outside for when it's 32. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I sit down and it freezes to my legs. So not not to get too personal, Dave. I have oh, a question yeah. about cuz all of this is very very yeah. just general. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This I would ask anybody. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't asked anything I wouldn't ask a stranger. Um <laughs> You know what the sad thing is I I haven't either. <laughs> So like, what's you're all wet back there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you do? You do you have like do you have like a little hand towel well, so or you, what? So you <laughs> still wipe, Mark. Like you still wipe no, you, at the end of okay, it. Okay, you do like a little dab. Yeah, yeah okay. You do a little dab, dabby you twerk business until it dries. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, I'll tell you the other thing I found out. Um, <laughs> if you put it on full steam, <laughs> full stream, if you will. The spread is wider than I expected. Oh, okay. And uh, it's closer to if you got in the shower and showered your whole backside. Oh, oh than, wow. Than it is if you just showered your butt. There's a lot of, like, variation here. You have to really, yeah. like, have a setting in mind. Yeah. I'm on the fence about this. Is I it, said something to Amber, and she's like, I don't want one. I was like, well, you're not the only one that lives here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can have a bidet bathroom, Dan. Yeah. I could. I, yeah. I mean, she could not use it. I was going to say, I just put it in our upstairs well, ba- it is our pretty, bathroom. It's neat the way it works because, like I said, it sits underneath the back of the toilet seat. And then when you turn it on, a nozzle like pops, it shoots down and then sprays forward. That's alarming. So, <laughs> so like it's, it's as far removed from you doing your business upon the nozzle as possible. Okay. That's good. Hold on. Run that by me again. It like bounces off. Like, yeah. you ever seen Mission Impossible? Yeah, I'm thinking of like when wanted. Tom honestly, comes down from the ceiling. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I was gonna say like a pen, like you just <laughs> you know click a pen and the pen comes out of the little dispenser and now uh-huh. you can use the pen. Oh, like, okay. Like that, so, except the nozzle points like upward, okay. forward and up. So, Terrible pen. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very uncomfortable pen. <laughs> Is it easy to adjust, like from person to person? Yeah, it's got a little tiny tab that you can move forward and backward, and that adjusts the nozzle forward and backward. Yeah, you okay. could put a label on there saying, like, this is your setting. Oh, that's a this good idea. Jackie's like, setting or It whatever. is a pretty small amount of adjustment that one can do. Oh, okay. Hit the button and just back and forth that well, nozzle. So it's, yeah, so oh, it's not oh, a button. Oh, it's, oh, a, oh, it's a dial. So you can turn the dial on and then just sit there forward and back it. <laughs> Get everything. So, um, interesting. Yeah. Any other bidet-related questions? Nothing that comes to mind currently. I might have follow-up questions like in the near future <laughs> as they come up. I will tell you the one piece of advice I have is don't have thin single-ply toilet paper. No, you uh, want yeah. plush, bidet right? Use. Yeah. You want mm. something with some absorbent power is what I'm saying. You should get bounty in there. Oh, yeah. Just you don't flush it. Don't flush it. No. Don't flush it. Yeah. My- also... Don't flush wet wipes. Like, they're real bad for plumbing. Yeah, I get that they help clean you, but they're really bad wipes. for plumbing. I just, I just wipe it until I bleed. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably shouldn't go in the show. But I, yeah. have, I have a friend who said she is a single ply because anything else beads too much because she's a vigorous wiper. Oh, God. And I don't wow. like the term vigorous when it comes to yeah, that what is, activity. Like, isn't mm. she just doing more than one wipe? Like, I back and forth I wiping? No. Because that's weird. Then I feel like you're just smeared in it. Yeah, yeah. Just Listen, it's not ointment. <laughs> I'm a vigorous bidet sprayer. Yeah, That's just f- like if you spill something on your carpet, you don't rub it in, you dab it. Yeah. yeah. I don't suggest dabbing down there, but <laughs> get the yeah. work done. Yeah. I've like been on the fence. I've nearly bought one like three times. I know. I, I'm interested in but it. But there's a part of me that just is like, the, it's like the one last part of me from Oklahoma that just won't die. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just The like, hillbilly and you yeah, won't let like, you have that? Yeah, this well, part of Oh, that... you need your butt wet to get wiped? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind, of, <laughs> what, kind of, what kind of nonsense is this? Yeah, nice job, hippie boy. You got your butt wet. <laughs> well, here's what I'm interested to find out. Like, mm-hmm. after I got the Squatty Potty a couple years ago, 
I did not like twosieing at other people's places because I lacked the squatty potty, and mm. I enjoy that aspect of my toilet. Well, I never forget the time you brought out the inflatable one. Yeah, yeah. it made me laugh. I, was I like, have a to-go squatty potty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I wonder if I will feel the same way about it's, my yeah, lack of a bidet. Your mm-hmm. your anus is going to be so coddled that yeah. Yeah. Like just wiping normal might blow it out. Well, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. at this point, yeah. sandpaper down there. between the squatty potty and the bidet. I like I just have such a Cadillac of toilets. Yeah, <laughs> you should get. I don't want to go to your Yugo of toilets. <laughs> you should get. You should get a toilet like mine because in the picture it just shows it flushing golf balls like it can flush <laughs> oh, like nice. i've never clogged it and yeah. i've used like tons of toilet paper oh, man, that can't be good for your plumbing I, it's fine i've never had a problem but you can put golf balls down it. i don't you should yeah, but you, you should. can but you can but you shouldn't but you shouldn't but you can <laughs> if you consider are wiping it. with golf don't balls consider. Yeah. If you've eaten a golf ball, it's the only reason you should be flushing if a you're golf using ball. The and shells, even then. <laughs> if you're using the three shells and flushing them. <laughs> the three shells. I feel like a bidet is one of the three shells. That's yeah. A, it's a like, good demolition man joke. It is a good demolition man. It's that's honest. a solid 10 minutes of poop content. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe that's what our listeners yeah, have come that's to what the they show got, for. That's what they're asking. We give the people what they want. You bought your debate? Debay? 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 Yeah, I think the debate was between uh, a couple a du- months ago. That was uh, Biden and Trump. Yeah. Dubai. And then there's a duvet that warms your bed. <laughs> warms your bed. Uh, I went to Lowe's today, though. That's what I was trying to say. Oh, yeah. Did you look at bidet prices? I didn't. I looked at front door prices. Those are different things. This well, is Amber- a backdoor issue I'm talking Amber about. Amber insists. <laughs> That was a stupid. real dumb joke, yeah, and, I, like, and I'm fine I, with I it. I tried to go right over it. <laughs> Game over, man. Game over!